want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 21. We sung a song just a little while ago. What child is this? I found it very interesting as that song was being developed that William Dix, who was born in Bristol, England, he grew up in Glasgow, Scotland, where he became a very successful insurance salesman. But at the age of 29, he became very seriously ill. And during that illness, he became very, very, very depressed. But the Holy Spirit of God began to speak to his heart and led him to compose that song, What Child Is This? It's amazing that many times that when we go through trials and difficulties, it's when God speaks to us the loudest and the clearest. And that's exactly what he did to Mr. Dix. That bringing to us such a beautiful, meaningful song. What child is this? With your Bibles open, I'm going to invite you to stand. And let's read uh, chapter 1, verse 21 of the book of the Gospel of Matthew. I believe of all the scriptures that uh, is wrapped around the Christmas story, that this particular verse sums it up. This is the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus. Let's say it real loud. Jesus. Isn't there something special about that name? You shall call him Jesus. For he and he only will save his people from their sins. That sums it up. Father, in Jesus' name. How grateful and thankful we are for the meaning of Christmas. And to know that that meaning has come to become a reality in our heart, in our life. And that name, Jesus, rings above every name. And to be reminded that one day, Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, the mighty King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you so much for the message of Christmas and for the wonderful gift of Christmas. We pray, dear Lord, that today, that we'll look at this passage of Scripture not just in an ordinary way, but in a super ordinary way, and to find what Christmas is all about. 
Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your power. Cleanse us with your blood. And that our hearts and our lives might come before the throne. And that we might receive that special blessing of being in the very dear presence of our Savior. For we ask this under no other name but the name Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I pulled out of my files an article that I had uh, uh, cut out of the newspaper a couple years ago. And that article was something like this. It said, in support of revolt, Bethlehem cancels Christmas festivities. Now, can you imagine? That Bethlehem, the place where Jesus was born, that they would cancel the meaning and the reason for the season. It goes on in that article. It said that uh, this Palestinian town where Jesus was born has canceled its traditional joyous Christmas celebration in solidarity with the year-long revolt against Israeli occupation. We don't see any reason to celebrate Christmas. Deputy Hannah Nasser said Monday, we have to show concern for our dead and our people. Can you imagine of wanting to cancel Christmas? See, what this person did not understand that Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. You may cancel the season, but you cannot cancel the Christ of the season. And I thought how terrible, terrible that there at the place of where he was born, that they would cancel the, the celebration of such a year, time of the year of where Christ was born. How would you feel if no one would ever want to recognize your birthday? I mean, our family and our friends many times as when our birthday comes around, we'll say happy birthday, especially as children. And, and we would recognize and we'd celebrate the birth of that child or that individual. But can you imagine somebody having a birthday party in your honor and not invite you to come to that birthday party? How terrible and horrible that would be. You would be offended by it. And yet, as I'm so afraid, that's exactly what's happening. So it reminds me of a little boy one time. He wrote a note to his grandmother and he said, "Uh, I'm sorry that I forgot your birthday last week. You have every right to forget mine, which is next Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? There as we began to think about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was I was listening uh, the other day and uh, on the radio, and they had taken a survey of the top five Christmas songs. 
And I thought it was rather interesting. And I wrote the top five Christmas songs in popularity of our society today. Number one was chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Number two, white Christmas. Now, I want you to listen carefully. Number three, winter wonderland. Number four, silver bells. Number five, I'll be home for Christmas. And tied with number five was jingle bells. Now, out of those five, do you, did you sense something that was wrong? Not a single one mentioned the Lord Jesus Christ and his birthday. And yet we're living in a society today that seems like that the most popular songs is about Christmas, but not about Christ. My friend, I want you to understand, just as Dwayne sung just a few moments ago, that the Christmas story commences with a cradle. It continues all the way through to a cross. And then, of course, it concludes upon a throne. That's the real Christmas story. My friend, I don't want to leave Jesus in a manger any more than I want to leave Christ on a cross at Easter. The manger was the first stop of where Jesus came into this world. And he lived under the shadow of the cross throughout his whole life. And under that shadow, he began to endure the cross. And there upon that day, 33 years of age, he takes upon the sins of the world, and there he dies on our behalf. So you should not leave Jesus in the cradle any more than you would want to leave Jesus on the cross. But what is Christmas? I think the Christmas story can be summed up in three different ways. First of all, I believe that Christmas is the story of a man's sin. Think about what that scripture said just a few moments ago. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So when the name Jesus was mentioned, immediately you began to recognize the reason and the purpose of him coming into this world. To save from sin. So Christmas is not only good news, it is bad news. See, if you did not have bad news, there would be no such thing as good news. It would be just news. The bad news is, is that we are sinners. And in need of one to save us. I'm reminded of what the shepherd says, I bring you great joy. In other words, I bring you good news. Good news. And oh, what the good news that this world desperately needed to hear and needed to understand. 
See, it's good news for several reasons because of the bad news. First of all, I want you to notice that man is depraved. You think about man for a few moments. And you think about how depraved we really are. I'm reminded of what the scriptures teaches us as one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament that had ever lived. Listen to what he said. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned and everyone to his own way. All of us are like sheep. Who have gone astray. A lot of times we would take great pride when we read in the Bible that it's Jesus being the good shepherd. And we are his sheep. But my friend, I want to remind you that sheep are very dumb. (laughs) They're very dumb animals. And that that they do not have a sense of direction. You can take a a sheep and take him away from the flock of that it was a part of, and put him to himself just a hundred yards away. And did you know that sheep cannot find his way back to the flock? Why? Many animals, you can't. You take a dog and you take him a couple miles away. He somehow knows how to get back to his home. A horse. You take him away from the stable. And somehow he knows how to get back when it comes time to eat. But not a sheep. We've all gone astray. That's why Jesus was so remarkably uh, announced as the good shepherd. The one that who leaves the 99 and go looks for that one that is lost. Because that sheep is is depraved. And oh, my friend, I want you to understand that he, with loving hands and loving arms and with a loving way, he guides us to the flock, into the family of God. That's why we talk about the lostness of mankind. Because he is away from the flock. He is away from the shepherd. He is away from where there is safety and security. And that's why the Bible reminds us that we are all like sheep who have gone astray. Friend, I want to remind you, that's why the Bible tells us what, coming from the greatest theologian, the Apostle Paul, where he says that the wages of sin is death. Oh, to understand that we are spiritually dead And to understand that sin is like a cancer that destroys not only the body, but destroys the soul. The Apostle Paul understood it quite well. That we have worked our way to damnation because of our sinful nature. But one of the wisest men on the face of the earth said these words, King Solomon. For there is not a just man on earth 
who does good and does not sin. Not a just man. There's not one single one that can cry out that I am pure and holy without the righteousness of Christ. God himself said in the book of Psalms, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, he said, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. That they all have turned to their own ways, he said. God, who looked to and fro, looking for one righteous. And God himself said, there is not even one. So the verdict of the Bible is, is that we are depraved and that we are spiritually dead. But not only we are spiritually depraved, but we're spiritually destitute. Now, the bad news gets worse. You stop and you think about it for a moment. There is no human remedy. For the spiritual sickness of mankind. Oh, we've tried. We've tried very, very hard. We have tried to wash with the rags of our self-righteousness. We have tried to bathe in the water of ritual. We have tried to scrub ourselves with the soaps of religion. And yet, at the same time, we come up short. And the Bible tells us that all of our righteousness and all of our rituals and all of our religions is nothing but filthy rags when it comes into the eyes of a holy, righteous God. Do you see the bad news? To enjoy Christmas and to understand the great good news, you've got to understand the bad news. Spiritually depraved. Spiritually destitute. But also spiritually desperate. What do you do? God being holy and righteous who must judge sin? What do you do in a time of despair as we find ourselves in? See, what has happened, we have become helpless and hopeless without the help of God. Helpless and hopeless. Now remember what the Bible said, Isaiah said, all have gone astray as sheep. Back during the eastern days of when the shepherd would go out and tend his flocks of sheep. Many times that the sheep, after they would get through grazing, uh, they sort of remind me of a bunch of Baptists. They would lay down on their backs and they would go to sleep. And the problem of that, they say they would become cast sheep. 
And what happens is, is that the equilibrium would begin to shift and they could not get back on their feet. And literally what they would do, they would paw in the air and, and they could not get back on their feet. And if someone did not come to the rescue of that sheep, that that sheep would literally die of suffocation. But because of the nature of the good shepherd, he would go to the rescue and he would roll them upon their backs and he would massage their stomachs and he would place them back on their feet. Have you ever heard the statement, I can't quite get on my feet? That's exactly where mankind is today. Without the help of the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the Christ, the Jesus that we know that who's come to save, He comes to rescue us out of our desperate need. And He reaches down and He picks us up and He puts us upon a solid rock. And to understand that we have life eternal forevermore. The Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you that whosoever commits sin has become a slave of sin. Literally, if you're bound to sin, you're sinned abound. And you become a slave. So we're desperately in need. But there's a second part to this story. Not only do you realize that Christmas is the story of man's sin, which is the bad news, but this Christmas story, this Jesus who has come to save, my friend, is the story of God's Son. God's only begotten Son. From the very beginning of the human race, God had Christmas planned and in store for us today. You go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15. And listen to what it says. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The very first Christmas sermon that has ever been preached was right there in the garden. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That great mighty prophet who God opened up the windows of heaven and to be able to pour out upon him a scene that he would be able to share with us today, which became the great first Christmas prophecy where he says... In Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Which of course means God with us. But not only God. Even before the beginnings. 
gave us that first Christmas sermon and that first Christmas prophecy. He gave us that first Christmas story in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Listen to this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My friend, I want you to understand, He is the Mighty One, the God Himself, the Everlasting God. You know, when you think about Christmas songs, and I'm certainly not speaking of this disrespectful because they're very special to me, but when you think about songs like Away in a Manger or songs like Little Town of Bethlehem, they bring us just to the first part. It does not take us on to the second part. Oh, I believe that probably one of the greatest Christmas songs that could ever be sung. Brother Andrew, we might want to sing that next Sunday. It's the old rugged cross. Amen. The old rugged cross. That there upon that cross came the fulfillment. Came the fulfillment of what Christmas is all about. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, which reminds us, it says, But when the fullness of this of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Glory to God. That we have been adopted into the family of God. We have been born into the family of God. And we can call God, not just God, but our Father, which are in heaven. That He has become our Heavenly Father. And Jesus, our Savior. Oh, do you not see what Christmas is all about? It's man's sins. It's a story of man's sin. It's a story of God's Son. Jesus came to redeem the world. But the story of not only man's sin and God's Son, but it's a story of salvation. That's what it's all about. The angel said to the shepherd there in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Not just the some, not just some, not just the white, not just the black, not just the rich, not just the poor, not just the educated, not just the illiterate, but to all people. He brings salvation. Anyone and anybody. See, it's very comprehensive. Very comprehensive. And my friend, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires what? All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now did you notice that? It says to all men. Not just a few. There's some theologians going around that God has elected just a few. And that if you're a part of that election, praise God. If you're not a part of that election, I'm sorry. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. Over and over and over again, it speaks about whosoever. It speaks about all men and women, boys and girls. That's what Romans chapter 10 Verse 13 is so important. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise, my friend, that cannot be broken. But my friend, it is not only comprehensive, but it is certainly complementary. Not only is this salvation available to anyone, but my friend, it's available to anyone without cost. Oh, I'm not talking about that the the cross was not a, a payment of sin. Certainly Christ paid the highest cost that could ever be paid. But not you. Without cost. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave. He gave to you and He gave to me. And my friend, it was an expression of love coming from a holy God of righteousness. An act of giving is an act of expression of love. We do that at Christmas time. We do that at birthdays and and special occasions. And we give gifts to one another. And what that gift is, is an expression. It is words of saying, I appreciate you, I love you, and I want to show it to you. I'm reminded of what the Bible talks about. If we be an evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more? Does the Heavenly Father know how to give gifts to us? The greatest gift. Romans 6, chapter 23 says, The gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that uh, what some of our sports events cost. Go to the Super Bowl and it but cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Go to the NCAA. Go to the Masters or go to some of these great events and cost you hundreds and thousands of dollars. But I've got good news, my friend. You can go to heaven because the price has already been paid for you. Gifts not too much. It's complimentary. It's already been paid. Paid in full. And all you've got to do, my friend, is to come to the cross.
and to receive it and to accept it. But my friend, it's also complete. You think about that for a moment. Salvation is free, it's final, and it's forever. That God's gift is irrevocable. You don't have to take it back after Christmas, my friend, because it don't fit. You don't have to take it back because it's out of style. You don't have to take it back because you don't like it. I've yet to find one that has received this gift that haven't been eternal, thankful, and grateful, and certainly not regretted receiving it. Ah, it's complete. So complete. Many, many years ago, there was a Scottish physician. He was a very famous physician. He was famous not only because he was a great doctor, but he was a very dedicated Christian. He died. And as the executors were going through his papers after he died, they began to notice something in his ledger of where all the men and women, boys and girls, had come to his office and that he had ministered and served them as a physician. And notice that beside them, many times, they had not paid their bill. But in red ink, he put upon it beside of it, too poor to pay, paid in full and forgiven. Well, he died. And when he died, of course, his wife began to inherit all of his all of his wealth and all of his his things that he had possessed. And she had gone through the ledger. She was a very greedy woman. And so she took that ledger to court and tried to get the judge to overthrow of where he had negated, negated that forgiveness of those bills. The judge said this. He said, are these red, these red ink notations, is this in your husband's handwriting? She said, yes, it is. He said then, I quote, there is no court in all the land that can collect money from accounts that the doctor has marked forgiven. Well, my friend, I want you to understand when Christ came into this world and there as he died upon that cross and you come with a childlike confession that I'm a sinner, that he has marked upon your account, forgiven, forgiven. And there's no court in the land that can undo that, my friend. Even God himself 
would not revoke the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you today, do you understand the Christmas story? Bad news. It speaks about man's sins. Good news. It speaks about God's Son. But the great news, it speaks about the story of salvation. If you have not experienced that, I pray to God today with a humble heart and with a repented heart that you've received the greatest Christmas gift that has ever been given. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious word. Thank you, dear Lord, for reminding us of what Christmas is all about. This child that came from heaven, born in a manger, made his way on the dusty shores of Galilee, right up to the cross of Jerusalem. There upon that cross, bearing the sins of each and every one of us, buried in a grave, rose from that grave, that third glorious day, ascended on high, And sits upon the right hand of the Father, upon the throne of God. Is reaching out to us today. And is wanting to say, I've given you a free ticket to heaven. Will you take it? I pray to the Lord that today, they might be a young boy, young girl, a young man, young woman, a man. Our Lady, that say, yes, I accept that ticket in Jesus' name.